Peace and blessings. This is Muslims for Peace podcast. You have tuned into Muslims for Peace podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. I begin in the name of the Almighty God, the compassionate, the merciful. The one who has created everything in utmost perfection. And may the peace and blessings of the Almighty God be upon His pure and beloved Messenger, the peak of His creation, the symbol of humanity, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. And his immaculate progeny of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, especially the leader of our time, the awaited Savior, Al Imam Al Mahdi, Ajrallahu Ta'ala Farajah. May Allah make us amongst his sincere and dedicated servants and hasten his reappearance. The Almighty God states in the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar Rahman ar Rahim, Wala Tamshi fil Ardi Marahan. إِنَّكَ لَنْ تَخْرِقَ الْأَرْضِ وَلَنْ تَبْلُغَ الْجِبَالَ طُولًا In this beautiful verse in the Holy Quran, the Almighty God advises the arrogant. He says, do not walk and strut in arrogance. Don't think that you can split the earth or reach the heights of the mountains in an act of arrogance. Sadaqallahu al-Aliyyul Azim. Illuminate your hearts and minds with a very loud salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. It is my great honor and privilege and pleasure to be amongst you this wonderful evening as we continue the second half of the month of Ramadan. This is my hometown. And I truly feel that I am amongst my family here. I look forward to this wonderful experience, to learning from my dear brothers and sisters, and to have a wonderful second half of Ramadan. Arrogance is the first act of sin that was committed in history. The Almighty God speaks in the Holy Quran, in the Bible, in holy scriptures, that Satan was the first to be arrogant. The Quran tells us about the creation of Adam. When the Quran speaks about these significant events, they are lessons for us to reflect so we do not fall into the same trap. When God created Adam, he commanded the angels and Satan was mingling amongst them. He had not revealed his true colors yet. He acted pious and holy and he would apparently worship God. When God created Adam, he commanded the angels and Satan to prostrate to Adam, to bow. For Adam would be one of God's greatest creations as he would be a human being who would carry the intellect. All of them prostrated except Satan. He refused. Why did he refuse? It's important to understand why he refused. 
Imam Ali alayhi salam, the successor to the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he says, learn from the experience of the devil, from Satan. From his act of arrogance, one act of arrogance caused him to enter a dark path for eternity. One act of arrogance. Satan, after years of worshipping God, of course he was showing off, he thought now God will give him attention, he will get the credit. Our narrations tell us that he prostrated to God, one prostration lasted for 4,000 years. He wanted to impress the angels and even suggest to them that I am better than you. 4,000 years, imagine. So now he's expecting God to give him all the attention. He's going to get the spotlight. Suddenly, God did something that shocked him. God creates a human, a blob of clay, imagine. The Holy Scriptures tell us that God created the human being from clay. And modern science has confirmed that clay is the birthplace of all life on earth. Suddenly Satan sees that this blob of clay is getting all the attention in the universe and God is commanding the angels to prostrate to that. He couldn't take that anymore. No, I will not prostrate to Adam. I should get the attention, not him. And this is what caused him to deviate. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib says, learn from this experience, this act of arrogance. Arrogance destroys the human being. It consumes the goodness in us. In our discussion tonight, I would like to shed some light on what arrogance is. How to decipher self-confidence from arrogance. Because oftentimes people mix them up. We value high self-esteem and self-confidence. How does that fit with arrogance? Are they the same? Are they different? Then we'll also examine the traits of arrogant people so that we can keep away from these traits. Number three, we'll also examine why is it that sometimes society rewards arrogant people? Sometimes they do get rewarded. They do get their way. They might get some power. Number four, how do I deal with an arrogant person? Let's say I'm stuck with an arrogant friend, co-worker, family member. How do I deal with them? How do I interact with them in a positive way? And finally, how do I protect myself from falling into the pit of arrogance? So what is arrogance? If we want to define arrogance very briefly, arrogance is the stable belief that I am superior to other people. It's this over-exaggeration of self-importance. Arrogant people have the desire to overpower others and dominate them. They have a belief that I am better than other people and they underestimate other people. These are features of an arrogant person. How do I distinguish arrogance from self-confidence? What are the major differences between self-confidence and arrogance? We value self-confidence. In order to be successful, I have to have confidence. I need to feel confident in my potential, in my capacity. But sometimes there is that fine line between arrogance 
and self-confidence. How do I decipher that fine line? For one, we find that people who have self-confidence, they give value to the reality and facts. They are self-confident, but they have a sense of reality. They are realistic. They work with facts. Whereas arrogant people are highly self-opinionated. They have their own worldview. They are correct and everyone else is wrong. That's one major difference between someone who's confident in a positive way and one who's arrogant. Confident people who have positive high esteem, they still see the world objectively. They work with facts. Whereas arrogant people, they live in their own cocoon. They see the world from their own lens. That's one difference between them. The second difference between people who have confidence and those who are arrogant, you find that people who have strong self-confidence, they are not bothered when others succeed. And in fact, when others succeed, they give them credit. Because they feel confident about themselves. It does not make them insecure if someone else succeeds. But arrogant people have difficulty giving credit to others. They want to bring down others and they can't handle see others successful. So there's a major difference between one who is arrogant and one who is self-confident. You can be self-confident. And you can be positively proud of the resources God has given you, the capacity that He's endowed you with, but it does not bother you when others succeed. In fact, you thank God when others succeed because you realize we are all the creation of God. If that person is successful, how did they achieve success? They used the resources that God gave them, right? They should be happy. This is not something that would bother them. So these are two fundamental differences between someone who's arrogant and someone who has positive self-confidence. Now let's examine some traits of the arrogant people. You will find that the first visible feature and trait amongst arrogant people is that they suffer from insecurity. And that is why they are arrogant because they want to hide these feelings of insecurity, these feelings of inferiority. Al-Imam al-Sadiq one of the Imams of the Ahlul Bayt, a descendant of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and his family, he has a beautiful statement in which he says, مَا تَكَبَّرَ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا before modern psychology examined the psychology of an arrogant person, this amazing leader 14 centuries ago said, every arrogant person that you will see in society, the reason why they're arrogant is because they have this insecurity, this humiliation, this inferiority in them. And they want to hide that through arrogance by projecting dominance and power. But at their core, they are very insecure. They are very weak. And instead of becoming arrogant, they should address the core problem. The reason why they feel insecure. Why is it that you feel insecure? That is to be addressed. But to hide that, to guise that with arrogance, that will not get you anywhere. 
So it's a feeling of insecurity. And arrogant people, this is how they think. Let me reject others before they reject me. They're always insecure. They always have this fear of rejection. Let me put down others before they put me down. Let me step on others before they step on me. This is their psychology. That's one feature that we find amongst arrogant people. The second feature that we find amongst the, ar the arrogant people is that when they examine the, their relationships with others, whether it's a friend, it's a business partner, it's a family member, it's a spouse, they, their priority is to win, not to give value to the relationship. Any opportunity they get to win, to score points, to advance, to personally benefit, they will take that opportunity. And oftentimes they will sacrifice their relationship with those who are very close to them. They don't really value those relationships. It's all about winning. What's in it for me? And that's why, my dear brothers and sisters, you will find that arrogant people don't have true friends. They really don't. They don't have true friends. And we'll examine why some people befriend arrogant people. But they really don't have true friends. Because their friends know that this person doesn't really value this relationship. They're trying to benefit from this relationship. They're trying to flex their muscle and exercise their authority and power. It's not a genuine relationship. That's the second feature that we find amongst arrogant people. The third one. Generally speaking, arrogant people, they crave for praise desperately. They want other, others to excessively praise them. When someone talks about them and praises them, that's their highlight. They thrive on that. And if others don't praise them, they get disturbed. They are bothered. I've seen some arrogant people, they're willing to sever ties with those who don't regularly praise them. Once one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad his name was Abu Dhar. Maybe a few nights you've heard about the biography of Abu Dhar. He entered in the presence of an arrogant ruler, the Caliph Uthman. He was known for his arrogance. So once he entered his presence and he saw a sycophant flattering him, praising him. And Uthman was very happy because that's what rulers and tyrants do. They surround themselves with sycophants and flatterers who say to them what they'd like to hear. So Abu Dhar got up, he took a handful of dust, he approached Uthman, imagine he was the king, the leader, the political leader, he had all the power. This genuine companion of the Prophet, he took a handful of dust, he came and he poured it on Uthman's head. He was infuriated. What are you doing Abu Dhar? Why do you disrespect me like that? He's like, I am following the instructions of the Prophet Muhammad. Because I heard him. He said, whenever you see a tyrant, a dictator, a ruler, anyone, they are constantly being praised by sycophants and they don't stop those sycophants. Go take the dust and pour it on their head. He said, I'm just obeying the instructions of my Prophet. Now Uthman, he claimed to rule in the name of the Prophet Muhammad, but he had corrupted the message of the Prophet. So Abu Dhar, 
He stood up with so much courage and he gave him a good lesson. That's one feature of arrogant people. A fourth feature or trait of arrogant people, we find that they are always the center of attention. You know what their favorite subject is? What is their favorite subject? Themselves. That's their favorite subject. And they will use every opportunity, every gathering, every discussion to turn it about themselves. That's how you can identify an arrogant person. And if the attention shifts to other people, they don't give them their credit. They get disturbed. They find it boring. They expect others for hours to listen to them praising themselves, their activities. But the minute that we talk about someone else in that gathering, no. You see them turned off, they're not interested in the gathering anymore. That's a fourth feature of arrogant people. A fifth feature or trait of arrogant people is that they find it very difficult to ask for forgiveness. If they've wronged someone, they have said something out of place, it's extremely difficult for them to ask for forgiveness because they're arrogant. They don't have that humbleness. If you see someone, my dear brothers and sisters, coming to you and asking you to forgive them, realize this individual is a great individual. This individual has great character. This individual is humble, is a human being to be respected. It's not a sign of weakness. Islam and Christianity and the world faiths, they teach us that seeking forgiveness is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. In fact, the one who has difficulty in asking for forgiveness is the weak one, is the insecure one. Arrogant people don't like to ask for forgiveness because they think they're always right. Why should I ask for forgiveness? I never violate anyone. Or if they know that they violated others, they don't want to admit it. And if you really want to test an arrogant person to see if this person is arrogant or not, let's say you want to befriend this person and you're trying to know if this is a good friend, good partner for you. Creatively challenge their worldview. If they have a certain way of viewing the world, challenge them, test them, see how they react. Okay, if they just got a little bit ticked off, but nothing unusual, fine. Nobody likes to be challenged, right? Except those who really are highly principled. But most people don't like to be challenged. It's kind of normal. But if you see that this person gets frustrated, they are enraged when you challenge them, then you know you have a significant problem. This person is arrogant. Arrogant people cannot accept the worldview of others. The Almighty God and the Holy Quran, even though God is the owner of the truth, but let's see how he teaches the Prophet Muhammad to speak to the people. The Prophet Muhammad told those people, even the pagans, the idol worshippers, he told them, let's come and have dialogue. Let's come and speak to one another. Either us or you are on the right path or the wrong path. I could be right, I could be wrong. You could be right, you could be wrong. You see the humbleness in the Quran? This is a verse in the Holy Quran in which God is saying, either we're right or you're right, let's talk. Look at the Almighty Allah, even though He's the owner of the truth. And the pagans were worshipping idols and, that's, and they corrupted their belief system. But the Quran teaches us, don't be arrogant. Don't impose your worldview on others. 
Yes, you believe that something is right. Have positive dialogue. And what's really amazing about the Almighty God, as we are told in the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Quran, when Satan refused to obey the command of God, what did God do? Did God say, okay, that's it. I'm not talking to you anymore. You're not worthy of even being talked to. God has a dialogue with him. Can you imagine? With his own enemy, we find passages in the Quran telling us about the conversation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had with the devil. Even his own enemy who showed arrogance, God says, I'll talk to you. We can have dialogue. We can still speak. We can still negotiate. And he negotiated with God. He told him, God, keep me till the... You know, the day of judgment and grant me powers so I can whisper to the people to see if they really believe in you or not. God says, okay, life is a test. It's a trial. I give you that power till the fixed day, not till the day of judgment, till the fixed hour. And we believe it's the reappearance of Imam al-Mahdi and Prophet Jesus, peace be upon them. When they come back, God will get rid of Satan and the devil. In fact, we have in our scriptures, that Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, will be the one to slay the devil and kill Satan when he comes the second time with Al-Imam Al-Mahdi Ta'ala These are some poignant features of arrogant people. Now the question arises is, if arrogance is so negative, it's so bad, it's so repulsive, why do we find arrogant people in society having power? Sometimes they have a large following. What explains that? You could argue that you know some people in society who are successful politically in the business world, but they are very arrogant. How do we explain that? There is truth to that. Arrogant people sometimes achieve success through certain mechanisms and means at their disposal. Psychologists have noted that there is an association between arrogance and anger. Arrogant people are usually angry and so they are intimidating. They intimidate you. And through this intimidation, they dominate and seek power. Because a lot of people, most people are not confrontational. Most people in society try to avoid confrontation. If there is an arrogant person, who is confrontational, who is intimidating, they try not to confront that arrogant person. So they might compromise, they might move out of his way, and that's one way they achieve success. They don't really earn it, it's by intimidating others. We always find this in companies for instance. You have a co-worker, you really work hard, you deserve that upgrade, that raise, to go up the ladder in your company, but you have another co-worker who's so arrogant, who's always intimidating and confrontational, and you just don't want headaches, you don't want tension. So you compromise and he gets his way. Now you could look at it from the outside and say, okay, see you got rewarded for your arrogance. It pays off to be arrogant because you achieve more power. But at what expense? At the expense of putting others down. Their success is not genuine success. Genuine success is when I achieve something without putting others down, when I really earn it, but not through intimidation, not through dominance. It's through intimidation and dominance that a lot of arrogant people get their way.
And those people who follow them or those people who surround them, really they are not surrounding them or following them because they have respect for them. Arrogant people are not respected. But because they have power, people are after that power. Or they are afraid of them. They feel intimidated. You don't want the wrath of an arrogant person to strike you. So you act friendly with that person. Otherwise, as we said, arrogant people don't really have true friends. People go after their power. People go after their influence. And they think they are loved by the people. They are really successful. But yes, unfortunately, we find that society sometimes rewards arrogant people. Look at the world today, my dear brothers and sisters. Look at some kings, some presidents, right? From where I just came from. Very arrogant. And you see a lot of Americans rewarding the arrogance of Donald Trump, right? He acts very, you know, very arrogant. He puts down other people. And you see there are millions of people who actually fuel that. Because there is embedded racism in a lot of people. There is embedded ignorance. In order to be a great country, it doesn't mean that you act arrogantly. A great country is a humble country that carries the spirit of forgiveness, that carries the spirit of dialogue, respect. You respect other nations. You don't put down other nations. But there are arrogant people, ignorant people in society who reward that. They will stand before you and they will cheer you. But this is the test in this life, my dear brothers and sisters. God does try us. And part of the trial, sometimes God might surround me with people or put me in an environment that might encourage my arrogance. But God is testing me. Will I be God-fearing? Will I be God-conscious? Or I will succumb to my evil desires and act upon my arrogance. So to an extent, society unfortunately does reward arrogant people. But it only does so on a short-term basis. You can achieve success on a short term. But in the long run, once people realize the arrogance in this person, in the end, no one will stay with that person. They will be abandoned. Even society will abandon them once they realize the damage that they have done. Now, the question is, how do we deal with arrogant people? If there is someone who's arrogant in my life, creating problems for me, how do I deal with them? First of all, my dear brothers and sisters, if you suffer by living with an arrogant spouse, a friend, a family member, you have to be very honest, go to them and tell them that what they're saying, what they're doing is hurting you. A lot of times arrogant people don't realize that they're hurting others. They've internalized their arrogance and superiority so much that they don't realize it. I've seen many of them. Maybe they're not ill-intentioned. They don't realize that they're hurting others. You have to let them know, be very frank and tell them what you're saying is really disturbing me. It's hurting us. Have others approach that person and say it to them. If enough people go to them and let them know, that will get them to think that maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I should change the way I address other people. If I am demeaning them, if I'm rude with them, if I don't give them credit. It is very helpful to talk about this. But usually we keep it inside, we bottle up and then it explodes. Go and talk to them respectfully. Let them know what the, that, what, that what they're saying is not okay. Ask them respectfully to change 
their habit, their behavior, their way of speech. Number two, and this one's really effective. Sometimes when it comes to certain arrogant people, we have to show them some compassion. Show them compassion. You know why? Arrogant people, as we said, they have feelings of insecurity. If you see that they have a good quality, if you see that they have a good tra trait, go to them with compassion, admire them. Tell them, look, you have this good quality, I admire it. You can be really a wonderful human being. Stick to your good qualities. You have a lot of good qualities. Build on those good qualities and you'll be much more successful. But as for these negative qualities, you need to address them. So give them credit when it's due. Be objective in your criticism. That will make them more likely to accept your criticism. But if you go and just tell them off, you're being very arrogant, you attack them, they will take it personal. They will, they will never find the opportunity to genuinely work on their faults. So give them credit. If they really have good qualities, let them know that they have these good qualities. And let them know that if they change their other qualities, you will praise them, you will encourage them. Once they see that encouragement, hopefully that will put them on a better path. Because we believe that the human being can change his attitude. Even if I'm selfish, even if I'm arrogant, even if I deal with anger, I need anger management. We can change. God has given the human being the capacity to change my dear brothers and sisters. Abu Dhar, the companion of the Prophet, was a great example. In his youth, he used to loot caravans according to certain historical traditions. He was someone who was not good for society. But he met the Prophet Muhammad and through the Prophet he was transformed. He became the most decent of the Prophet's companions. You can change. Even after 40 years you can change. It's difficult. It requires a sacrifice. But we can change. Arrogant people can learn to become humble. But they need our encouragement. Having said that, there is one interesting statement. If there is someone who's arrogant and nothing works with them, an interesting Arabic expression says being arrogant with the arrogant is an act of worship. Sometimes certain arrogant people, the only way to stop them is not to give them their way. Stand up to them respectfully, with confidence, with strength. Stand up to them and let them know that this can no longer continue. Once Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq the sixth Imam of Ahlul Bayt, he was in the presence of the corrupt Abbasid tyrant Al-Mansur al-Dawaniqi. Al-Mansur was, he proclaimed himself to be the Caliph and the King. Imam al-Sadiq was in his presence one day. When a fly came and started to disturb Al-Mansur, you know sometimes when that fly doesn't let go, it keeps harassing you, it keeps annoying you, he really got annoyed. He kept squatting it away, but it, it kept coming back. So with frustration, he asked Imam al-Sadiq why did God create the fly? He was frustrated. <laughs> you know what the Imam al-Salam told him? Imam al-Sadiq told him, God created the fly to humiliate tyrants like you. 
Yes, sometimes you have to confront them. When you have an evil tyrant not caring for the rights of people, acting so powerful, you have to remind them, look, you're so weak. Who do you think you are? Yes, one fly can annoy you. Look at your origin. Who are you? As the Quran says in this verse, in Surah Al-Isra, don't walk arrogantly on earth. Who do you think you are? So sometimes they must be confronted, but in a positive way, not in a way that leads to further tension. But arrogant people need to understand that their arrogance will not be rewarded. We will take a stance and we will stop it. Now my dear brothers and sisters, how do we protect ourselves from falling into arrogance? The first step to protecting ourselves from falling into arrogance is to realize that God has given you self-worth. To be successful and to find that worth in your heart, you don't need to put down other people. God has given you that self-worth. And appreciate the self-worth that the Almighty God has given you. Don't be obsessed with what others think about you. If the entire world thinks of me positively, because they see my outside appearance, but God doesn't because He sees my intention. What have I achieved? What have I achieved? When I depart this life, when I'm placed in my grave on the day of judgment, will that help me? Or is it my relationship with God and how God views me? That's what will help me. This is something that we have to be reminded of. You do have self-worth. You don't need to be arrogant in order to find that self-worth and think that you are an important person. Every human being created by God is an important person because God created you. You are the creation of God. Take pride in being a servant of the Almighty God. That's one way to block arrogance from overcoming us. The Prophet Muhammad in one very powerful statement, he says the worst sin, the greatest sin is an act of arrogance. It's the path of the devil. And the one who has arrogance in their hearts, heaven is not a place for them. Heaven is a place for those people who are humble. Those people who have servitude. And in fact, the Prophet says something very striking. The Prophet says the one who's arrogant, is essentially trying to compete with God. Imagine this powerful statement. When you act arrogant, essentially, you're trying to state that I am the dominant one. And indirectly, you are competing with God. God is the dominant one. God is the one who created us. He's the all-powerful. Arrogant people are actually trying to compete with God. And the Prophet Muhammad states, the one who competes with God, we know what their end is. Many people, many tyrants have come in history who have tried to challenge God and compete with God. But what was their end? There was an Umayyad Caliph his name was Al-Walid ibn Yazid. He was very known for his corruption. And unfortunately, these caliphs ruined the history of Islam after the Prophet Muhammad This is why we hold on to the Imams of Ahlul Bayt. Because they came to purify religion from evil hands. 
In every religion there are people who misuse religion for their personal agenda, for political gains. Al-Walid ibn Yazid was one of them. He was so despotic and highly arrogant. One day he opens the Quran and he reads this verse, his eyes fall on this verse. And they sought the judgment of God. Another meaning of istaftahu is they opened because he opened the Quran. And every arrogant person shall fail. The Quran says every arrogant person shall fail. He opened this verse. He started mocking the Quran. Imagine, he claims to be a Muslim caliph. He started mocking the Quran. And he said his famous lines of poetry. He started to address the Quran and he said, You threaten me with a tyrant who's going to achieve failure? Well, here I am. I am a tyrant over here and I'm arrogant. And then he took the Qur'an and he ripped it, he tore it apart and he said, when you come and meet your Lord on the Day of Judgment, tell your Lord that Al-Walid is the one who tore you apart. You see how they mocked the Qur'an. You know what happened to his fate? He was 37 years old when he did this. Less than one year later, he was killed violently. When he went on the Kaaba in Masjid al-Haram, he got drunk and he started committing acts of immorality. People couldn't handle it anymore. They revolted against him and they killed him. He ruled for one year. One year. Usually those dictators would come and rule for decades. But he challenged God. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did to him. This was his end. This was his fate. This is something, my dear brothers and sisters, that we must remember. Now sometimes we might indirectly challenge God. Not everyone says this openly. I'll share with you another story. This happened decades ago in the city of Isfahan. There was a wealthy businessman. Sometimes he would help the poor. Oftentimes he would reject them. One day a poor man came to him. He told him, I have not eaten food for three days. This story is about maybe 150 years ago in the previous century. He said, for three days I have not eaten food. Please give me, you're very wealthy. He said, no, get out of here. This is not the time. He said, I beg you, I'm telling you for three days I've not had food. And you're loaded with wealth. Just give me just a little bit. He kept rebuking him and rejecting him and insulting him. Finally, the poor guy, he got frustrated. He told him, look, don't be so arrogant. God gave you this wealth and if God wants to take your wealth, He can take your wealth. Don't be so arrogant. God gave you this wealth as a trust in your hand. Don't think you really own it. You know, oftentimes we think we really own our money, our property. Who says you own your money and your property? Just a few days you use it and then God takes it from you. That man became so enraged, the businessman, the, the wealthy guy, he got so enraged, you know what he said to the poor man? He told him, look, I've got so much money, so much wealth, 
God needs to sit and think for six months how to strip me away from my wealth. <laughs> Imagine this act of arrogance. Now we don't say this, obviously. We believe in the Almighty God and we submit to Him. But sometimes, my dear brothers and sisters, in our hearts, in certain trials of life, we might have a similar attitude. Never challenge the Almighty God. You know what happened to him? He told him, okay, God needs six months, we'll see. You challenged God, let's see. The son of this businessman was friends with the son of the Shah of the king of Isfahan in that region in Iran. You know, they were friends. So that same day they had gone out on a hunting trip. The son of the businessman was trying to shoot a deer when he accidentally shot the son of the king. It was an accident. It was not intentional. They were hunting there. News reaches the king that your eldest son, the heir to the throne, has been killed. He was outraged. Who killed him? The son of the top businessman in town. The king got so frustrated, he made a declaration. All people of Isfahan, all the property and the wealth and the farmlands of that businessman is for the nation, go and take it. He makes that declaration that same day. People flock to his shops, his businesses, his farmlands, the sheep, the cattle, the cow that he had. Within hours, he saw himself standing before his house, having nothing except his clothes. He was lucky they did not strip him from his clothes. Even his own house, they took it. It was a declaration by the king. All of his property is for the nation. Go and loot it. Go and take it. The poor man passed by. He looked at him. He told him, wow, God really did need six months to take all of your wealth. Is that how you challenge the Almighty God? We learn from the great prophets of God, my beloved brothers and sisters, to be humble. And humbleness means that we serve. One reason why we Muslims have so much respect for Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, is because he was one of the most humble creations of God. It's mentioned in our holy traditions that once he was about to wash the feet of his disciples, they refused. They said, oh Spirit of God, this is inappropriate. You wash our feet, we should serve you. He said, no, I am doing this so you learn from me and you be humble with people. I am serving you now so that you have the habit of serving others. This is why we have so much respect for Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. Never in his life did he display an act of arrogance. He was the most humble of the humble. And he has a beautiful statement. He says, have you ever seen a tree or vegetation growing on the peaks of mountains? Where do you have the best produce in the country? In the valleys, right? I'm not sure here in Canada, but in the US, we have the biggest valley in California. It's a very long valley. It's about 300 miles from north to south and maybe 60, 70 miles wide. Most of the food in the US and the vegetables are grown and the fruits are grown in the valley. See the valley, because it's, because it's low-lying, it's suitable for crops to grow. Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, says, don't you see the plants 
the most suitable place for them is a valley, not the peaks of the mountain. Have you seen a farmer who goes on the peak of the mountain and he plants a tree there? It doesn't grow there. An arrogant person acts like he's the peak of the mountain, but there's no goodness in him. When you become humble and you have that spirit of serving other people, serving your brothers and sisters in society, then you allow for the wisdom of God to grow in your heart. Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, teaches you want wisdom? Wisdom is very valuable, it doesn't come for free. You have to earn it. You want wisdom? It doesn't come through arrogance. It comes through humbleness. Just as the plants grow in a valley, wisdom grows in a heart that is humble. God finds such a heart to be worthy. And this is an amazing lesson that we learn from Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, and all prophets of God. Prophet Muhammad was the symbol of humbleness with his people. In fact, some people would not recognize him. When they would come to see him, they thought he was a king, he was ruling. He was sitting on a throne, on a chair, having a fancy setup for himself. They could not recognize him. Sometimes he would be with the destitute and the poor, and they would have to ask about him, where is this Muhammad? Who is he? And then when they would point to the Prophet the person who would ask would be shocked. He's like, this is Muhammad? I don't see that he stands out. He looks like other people. He's serving others just like anyone in society. We thought that he would be like a king. One day the Prophet Muhammad was lying down and he would rest his head on the ground on the earth, just like Prophet Jesus would. Prophet Jesus has a beautiful statement. He says, my mode of transportation is my two legs. I don't have something fancy, it's my two legs. And my pillow is the rocks of the earth. My mattress is not something that's comfortable. It's the earth, I sleep on the ground. My blanket is the stars, it's the sky. He says, I don't own anything, I don't have anything, but I am the richest person on earth. He is the richest person on earth, see that. Because he's not in need. He's not enslaved to this materialism. And that's why he's the richest of the rich. Prophet Muhammad will also, would also sleep on the ground. So one day a man came to see him and he saw the Prophet sleeping on the ground on rocks. When the Prophet lifted his blessed cheek, he saw that the rocks, that coarse material, had affected his cheek. So he was shocked. He says, this is Muhammad? This is the leader of Islam? He's like, I thought he would be like the Caesar of Rome, having a fancy place and ruling. The Prophet Muhammad tells him, look, God has honored me more than the king of Rome, more than the Caesar. What is this place? This place is a temporary world. We enter and then we leave. It's just like you traveling in the desert. You see a tree, you go a few minutes under that tree, you seek its shade, and then you leave. That's life. Why should I act arrogantly? Why should I be extravagant? And therefore we see the great prophets of God achieved the highest levels of humbleness. And through humbleness we can serve one another. It is indeed a difficult task to get rid of this arrogance, but remember that the first sin that was committed in history was an act of arrogance. And it is the trial of the human being to protect himself from arrogance. We ask the Almighty God 
to open our hearts and humble our hearts. Accepting the guidance of God requires humbleness in the heart. We ask the Almighty God to illuminate our hearts, to empower us to serve others. Serving others means serving the Almighty God. For the Almighty God in one beautiful statement states that all the creation, all people are my dependents. The greatest amongst you in the eyes of God are those who help His dependents most. Those who serve humanity. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين.